As I'm sitting here today on what happens to be my 25th birthday and the two-year anniversary of this podcast, it just got me thinking about all the things. You know, getting to debut this podcast on my birthday two years ago today and since, just getting to know this community that has been created out of chronically cultivating, it's just been such a delight. And over the past six months, I've been thinking a lot, you know, leading up to me turning 25, because a few years ago, I almost didn't make it out of the hospital. I didn't know that I was going to be here today, let alone celebrating two years of this podcast. And I'm just so grateful that I'm still here today and that I'm able to do this. I'm thankful for the Lord's redemption and his faithfulness and just getting me here But I think something that's hard with every milestone you face when you have a progressive chronic illness is that you kind of know the milestones aren't going to be the same in the sense that a big milestone marker in life is turning 25. But for me, that meant that I was going to have a bunch of testing done just to see how things were going and where my body is at. And it got me really hung up on the date as if my whole life was going to change. But things do change and that's going to happen. And dealing with EDS, that's always going to be a part of my life. And it's not about my birthday. It's just kind of a mid-20s thing. But I think I built it up in my brain and I didn't realize that turning 25 doesn't actually change anything. And this routine testing had to be done. Ultimately, like, this is a part of what the rest of my life is going to look like. And it's okay to sit in that hardship and struggle. But I want to make sure that I'm practicing what I preach, which is that we can grieve and be disappointed. We can be broken and still see the good. We can celebrate and still throw confetti even when we don't feel like it. So I want to celebrate this because every single day that we're given on this earth is a gift and the Lord has humbled me greatly and taught me so much over the past 11 years since I became highly symptomatic and dealing with EDS and then you know the 25 years of life I decided that today for the two-year anniversary of the chronically cultivating podcast And to commemorate me turning 25, I want to share with you 25 lessons and truths that I've learned and that God has shared with me. So, as always, let's dive right in. Hey friends, I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. So the first truth that I want to share with you is something that has changed the way that I read the Bible and ultimately how I look at the Word of God. So I started asking myself a couple questions whenever I got to the end of a verse or chapter or passage, ultimately whatever I'm reading. And the first question being, what does this verse tell me about the truth about who God is? And the second being, what is the truth about who I am in him? 
Now, this was something I started doing a couple years ago when I hadn't really been in the practice of reading my Bible and actively being in the Word. And I had found Lindsay from Find Wondrous Things, and she was posting all about how she studies the Word by asking these questions. And it has just been life-changing. And in 1 Timothy 1, 15-16, it says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, I did a whole podcast uh, this past season on identity and we talked about this verse and how it not only shows us a truth about who he is but who we are and the reality is that i'm a sinner i'm unlovable and i'm the worst and being a sinner is a huge part of our identity in christ and i feel like so often we hear about how special and loved and beautiful we are and all of that's true but we rarely talk about the fact that we're also all sinners that are in desperate need of his grace and jesus didn't come here on this earth because you or i were so special or so beautiful or so great it was because he loved us so much that he wanted to have a relationship with us and we can't become who he made us to be if we don't accept that ugly truth that we're the worst because we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And that acceptance isn't easy and it's very uncomfortable, but it allows us to begin to appreciate how much he loves us and truly ask for forgiveness. So this is one of the greatest things I've ever learned and been able to take away as I continue to study the Bible by always asking, what is this passage telling me about God and the truth of who he is? And what is it saying about the truth of who I am in him? Now, the second hard pill that I've had to swallow in great truth is so let it grow. In James 1, 3 through 4, it says, For I know that when your faith is tested, your endurance will have a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this was in the middle of 2020 and I was really struggling and not really because of the pandemic, but I was dealing with really serious disease progression and I had been meditating on the quote, I asked God to help me grow and it started raining, meaning that you ask God to help you grow and things got much harder because as we know, plants can't grow without rain. And in that season of life, I had just felt drenched and far past being well watered. And I was pretty clear with the Lord in saying that I didn't think that was how he should be caring for me and that I needed more sun, not more rain. So I took my frustration to the word and I looked up every verse in the Bible that had the word grow in it. And I came to James and that was when the Lord was so loud and clear. I came to acknowledge that this life is going to be really hard but sometimes I need to let it, meaning me, grow. I need to let myself grow and experience hard things so that I can develop the endurance that it talks about here in James. So let it grow became 
encouragement in that season to my very weary heart. The third lesson that I want to share with you is one that has changed my life. And I know that all of these things have changed my entire life, but this is something my mentor had shared with me that has just changed my whole perspective and outlook on life and joy and suffering, which is that we don't need to be full to experience joy. We just need to be filled with his joy. There are going to be times where we are not experiencing the joy that we would expect and we're not full of all the things that people say make us joyful. And being able to say, all right, I don't have a reason. I don't feel like there's any joy or any good thing going on around me. But Lord, I know that your joy is not circumstantial and it is not dependent on what's going on in my life. So I want you to fill me with that joy because it is exhausting being responsible for our own joy. So why do we place all of that pressure on ourselves when we can just let him fill us with his joy rather than trying to be full of the world's joy? The fourth prayer that I want to share with you is something you've heard me say probably tons of times, which is, I can do hard things for you, Lord, even this. When Jared and I officially closed our business, there was so much grief surrounding that. And my prayer was, Lord, I don't understand your plans. And I feel like you're taking away the dreams that you planted in my heart. So help me grieve in a way that honors you in my grief. Allow my grief to be an act of worship. And every moment I feel like I can't continue, give me the strength to say, I can do hard things for you, Lord, even this. Would the thought process behind it that everything we do can be an act of worship and being intentional in any part of our life is an act of worship and it's hard and there are so many times that I find myself saying oh Lord I can do hard things for you I know I can do the hardest of things but this is just too hard and this season especially in losing our business and moving forward It just was a very broken season and this prayer kept me focused and remembering that we all worship him differently and it's not always going to look exactly like everybody else worships, but we can worship him whether we're serving in a church or we're allowing ourselves to grieve. We can worship him when we're watching church from a hospital bed and we can also worship him by loving our people well. Everything we do can be an act of worship. So knowing that no matter what I've been given to worship with, even if it's the hardest of things, I can give those to him. And as painful as it is, it also is a beautiful opportunity for us to understand the sacrificial love of God. Another painful lesson that came out of us losing our business was something that I learned actually a couple years after the fact um, when I was still feeling the grief and loss of the life I thought I would have had. And the Lord helped me see that some dreams are only meant to be lived out for a season rather than a lifetime. And in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And it's been a hard pill to swallow, but realizing that what I thought I was doing with my life and what God was calling me to was for a lifetime when he was actually just calling me 
to that for a season and I was heartbroken because I thought I would be in that field for the rest of my life and I still get reminiscent and sad at times and that's okay because healing and accepting our circumstances is a never-ending process. So if you're also feeling that way, don't beat yourself up about it. But this truth does sting that not all the things that he's called us to, we were meant to do for a lifetime. And I've had years to work through my anger and brokenness and disappointment, and I still mourn what I've lost. But I just want to encourage you to know that you can be broken over a life that could not be and accepting of a new season at the same time. The sixth lesson that I want to share with you has been probably one of the hardest to reconcile, which is how do we protect our peace and focus on the sunshine and not the shade? So as I think of the past two years and hosting this podcast, I think there's something to be said about opening ourselves up to the world and knowing that if we don't have good boundaries in place to help us protect our peace, it's going to be hard to hear everyone's opinion on their life. Because when you share your life on the internet, people feel like they're entitled to give you their opinion on everything, good or bad, that's going on in your life. So we have to work to protect our peace. And a phrase that I have used, or if you wanted to title it as a lesson, would be to focus on the sunshine and not the shade. And again, I have loved being able to share my life with you and my family, the good and the bad, but I have had to learn some really hard lessons of how to have boundaries in place to protect my peace. So when I say focusing on the sunshine and not the shade, I literally mean focusing on God the sun and not the shade other people are throwing. Because something that I've been criticized on quite often is the fact that you can't be that joyful and that sick. But when you allow his joy to fill you, in even the worst of circumstances, it can create confusion for someone who's exhausted currently creating their own joy. And they haven't gotten to a place where they're able to have the Lord fill them with joy. They're still trying to be joyful of the with the world's things. And I just want to set the record straight real quick, which is that your ability to allow God to strengthen you and give you hope does not invalidate your diagnosis. Your ability to be broken and grateful in the same season does not invalidate your struggle. And your ability to celebrate the good in life and even the tiniest of victories does not invalidate your experiences. This has been a really hard road to walk in deciding what to share and what not to share so that I can protect my peace, but I'm so grateful that the Lord has taught me how to set boundaries so that I can share my life with you. Another lesson that the Lord has spent years cultivating and teaching me in my heart is that the fruit of the Spirit are all choices. They don't come by chance, meaning love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of those things are choices that we make. And I work really hard to show you the highs and lows of living with a disease like this. And on my Instagram, we do something every week that I call Wednesday Wins, where people send in their victories. And at the end of the day, I throw confetti for all those things. It's great. We have a lot of fun. But there was one day where I actually skipped Wednesday wins because I was feeling really upset and having a hard time. 
And I decided to share publicly that nothing in me felt like there was any good, that there was any joy or any victory. But sometimes the victory is just letting ourselves grieve what we've lost. So I wanted to show you how I practice what I preach, which is that we can use the joy of the Lord as our strength, even when we don't feel like there's any joy, because joy is not dependent on our circumstance or whatever our heart is feeling. It's dependent on saying, Lord, I'm hurting, but I know that you have the ultimate victory, even if I don't feel like it. And I didn't feel any joy. But I knew that feelings aren't facts. And yes, it is a fact that my body is broken, but it's also a fact that he is a good God and our joy is a choice. That's why it's not happiness because joy is not an emotion. It's a choice. And I knew that throwing confetti wasn't going to make me feel more joyful. But I knew that submitting to the Lord and saying, I can do hard things for you, things I don't want to do that are too painful and that are too hard, I can still rest easy because I know that you've overcome the world. And although I knew the physical act of throwing confetti would not change the way that I felt and it would not suddenly make me feel super joyful and happy and excited, I knew that by throwing that confetti, I was choosing joy because I was able to say, Lord, the victory is that I'm bringing my grief straight to you and I know you're grieving with me. So I'm going to throw confetti for that because I can throw confetti and grieve at the same time. So we have to remember that the fruits of the spirit, all of those things are choices that we decide to cultivate. We choose when we cultivate those things and how they're going to impact us. They don't just happen. And that has changed how I've looked at the fruit of the Spirit. Another truth that I want to share with you is that His faithfulness is no match for our fears. And we can struggle, we can push through hard things, but it's really, really important to remember that when we're doing what He's called us to and that fear creeps up, we need to speak truth to our doubt and be able to say, as scared as I am, I know that his faithfulness is far greater than any of my fears. And that has been something that I have clung to for years now because it gives me so much peace knowing that although my fear is valid, his faithfulness is also valid. A funnier lesson that the Lord has taught me over the years is that we should never say never. And he meets us wherever we are. I actually, as a kid, hated gardening, uh, hated all things about it. And I was missing out because I had just determined that I didn't like it and I wasn't going to like it. But honestly, being able to admit that I was wrong and that it actually is a great hobby and I've come to enjoy it has been really wonderful. And it just continues to go to show that as little kids, we can say, I'm never going to do X, Y, Z. And if that's a way that God wants to reach our hearts or tell us that's where we're going to go, then that's the will. That's where you're going to go. And I just have kind of reflected on that and thought it's funny. But ultimately, another truth that I think is really important that I want to share with you today is that God's going to give us more than we can handle. 
It literally says in John 16:33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And you want to know what gets me so mad? When I hear people say that God doesn't give us more than we can handle, because it literally says the opposite. And living with a broken body is overwhelming. And ultimately, I don't have the strength or the endurance to handle this because I wasn't created to. We were created to live in perfect union with him. But because of sin, we're going to face hardships and suffering until we get to heaven. And we will find ourselves overwhelmed when we try to handle it with our own strength. You see, if God only gave us what we could handle, we wouldn't need him. And that's why God doesn't promise that he won't give us more than we can handle. But he does promise that he'll walk alongside us to help us carry the load, to sustain us one day at a time, that his joy can be our strength, and that he will give us everything we need to face each and every day when we invite him into our brokenness. Knowing that he's overcome the world and that when we get to heaven, we're going to have new bodies should excite us. So receiving his strength probably won't stop the hurt that I'm feeling, but it will enable me to endure it. So we just have to remember that God is going to give us more than we can handle, but he's also going to give us everything we need to face each day when we invite him into our struggle. Another truth that has changed my heart is knowing that the joy of the Lord can be our strength and that his joy is not invalidated by our grief. You see, joy is not exclusive to when life is going right. Happiness is a feeling, and joy is an attribute and a gift that the Lord gives us. So when I say the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I talk about choosing joy, I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about toxic positivity or denial. I'm talking about choosing truth. And there are times where nothing in me feels okay, let alone joy-filled, but I'm rather broken and disappointed. And I talk a lot about the joy of the Lord in this podcast. And the thing is that the joy of the Lord is a choice that only we can make. And living that out looks like many different things. It can look like grieving closely to him, it can look like throwing confetti over victories that we don't actually feel or see. And I just think it's also important to mention that you can throw confetti even over the tiniest of good things and be grieving over a loss at the same time. Our feelings aren't facts and that's why his joy is not invalidated by our grief. But it can be hard to share the suffering that we face with the world, especially when choosing joy because it can be received as invalidating to our illness or our struggle by the world. But choosing his joy and choosing him and ultimately choosing to invite him into our grief is far more important than focusing on other people's opinions. And in my personal opinion, I think there's nothing more validating than God's glory and faithfulness and his goodness than when I see someone living out the joy of the Lord as their strength. That to me validates God's goodness because only Jesus could give someone the strength to celebrate as their bodies continually fail them. A truth that I have come to learn through what I like to call hospital living when I was just in and out of the hospital constantly was this realization and truth that God shared with me about the fact that I can move mountains from a hospital bed. 
Now, when I say move mountains, I'm thinking about the verse where Jesus talks about having faith as small as a mustard seed and that we can move mountains with our faith. And what it's really saying is that our faith and God's ability to do great things is not limited in any way, shape, or form. And for me, it was understanding that God is not confined to those four hospital walls. He can do anything from anywhere, and he can use us no matter where he's placed us. So it gave me great encouragement to remember that in him, I can move mountains from a hospital bed. In that too, with EDS, there's a mantra that I've held on to all these years in dealing with EDS, which is, Her collagen may be weak, but her God is strong. And for those that don't know, um, EDS mainly has to do with our bodies um, and our collagen being defective. So this mantra helps me speak life and truth to my heart. It speaks to the reality of what life is like in my body, but it also screams the truth that it's okay that I'm weak because God is strong. And my body is failing me, and we have so many tough decisions to make about my care with just the limited treatment options that are available, but no matter what season of uncertainty I'm in with this, I'm able to lean in and cling to the fact that yes, my collagen is weak, but my God, he is strong. Wow, we are cruising through these friends. Um, So the 14th lesson that I wanna share with you is that you don't have to just feel one emotion about a situation. It's okay to feel multiple things at once, and I think it can be easy to forget that we can be broken and blessed. We can be grateful and disappointed. We can be exhausted and expectant all at the same time. We're allowed to feel both, and seeing and celebrating the good is not going to invalidate your struggle, and I wish I had known that so much earlier than I did. So please don't let the world trick you into believing that life after diagnosis is an either-or life, because with God's grace and goodness and faithfulness, he gives us the ability to live a both-and life. Something that the Lord has spent a lot of time convicting my heart over is that there is nothing that we do that's more important than spending alone time with him. You know, I think... It's really easy, especially in ministry, to feel sometimes that we don't have time to spend with the Lord and that we just don't have time to do all the things. So we prioritize everything except our time with Jesus because we feel that we need to do what he's called us to do, even if that means that we don't have time for him. And that's a total lie. It's all about priorities. And I know that when I spend time with the Lord, he's going to bless what I'm doing. And that spending time with him is more important for my heart than doing all the things that I've deemed he's called me to do. Because we have to look at things and say, did God put these expectations on myself or did I? Because ultimately, we need to be in the word and learning straight from him if we're going to do what he's called us to do. Because we can't know what he wants us to do if we're not in communication with him. Another piece of encouragement that has changed my heart is the fact that intentional friendships are hard work, but the decision to keep that relationship up is easy. 
you know, we don't need to force friendships. We need to be discerning about who we have in our inner circle and who's speaking into our lives. But in order to also have those close, authentic friendships, we need to be vulnerable and sometimes be awkward. I know that I had always heard that friendships stop after high school or they peak in college, but the thing is that if we're going to have people that not only we can cheer on but do the hard parts of life with, we have to embrace vulnerability because good things grow when we're pushed out of our comfort zone. And it's not about forcing a friendship. It's about truly being able to say, as hard as it is to be vulnerable, I know that it's worth it. And that's what it comes down to in my mind, at least, that intentional friendship is hard work. That's true. But the decision to continue the friendship should be an easy decision. Now, something that the Lord has taught me this year, which has been mind-blowing, is that nothing surprises him and that he made me with this in mind. Now, you may say, Cassie, of course God made you with this in mind. God knows everything. Nothing surprises him. But I didn't really think about the fact that when he created me and made plans for me, he knew that I was going to be this sick. And my illness may stop me from doing what I feel like I'm called to do with my life, but my illness is never going to stop me from doing what he has planned for me because the plans and the calling that he has for me were formed with this illness in mind. And honestly, that has just blown my mind. The next lesson that I want to share with you has humbled me greatly, and I have learned this the very, very hard way. But you can live an intentional life after diagnosis when you give your goals some grace. I think we're really hard on ourselves, and it's really hard for us to cheer ourselves on. So when I'm struggling and I'm feeling like... A failure because my goals didn't work the way I wanted to or the plan didn't go how I thought it would when I'm tempted to talk to myself in a negative way I filter in my mind through would I say this to a friend of mine if they were struggling because if I wouldn't say it to a friend of mine because it's harsh then why am I gonna say that to myself and That has helped me when I'm struggling to give myself grace in my goals and the plans that I've made because I can live an intentional life with this diagnosis. It's going to be hard, but everybody has their hard thing. Everyone has a reason that makes life and goal setting hard. And just because my struggle is with an illness doesn't mean that I'm the only one with a struggle. So it's just that reminder to give ourselves and our goals some grace. Now, one of the hardest lessons that I seem to have a never-ending struggle with is learning to live one day at a time and learning that living one day at a time is not a failure because it actually has to do with us changing our mindset and God calls us to live one day at a time. That's in the Lord's Prayer when it says, give us our daily bread. That means give us all we need to face today so that we can focus on right now today because we know that tomorrow has enough overwhelming things of its own. 
but so does today. So let's focus on right now and what's going on in front of us. And Jared has been a huge help to me in learning how to do this, as I am not at all the best at this for sure. But what's great is that even as a planner, shifting to this mindset has helped me realize that although I don't know what the future holds, God does know. And I think that maybe the reason he hasn't shared that future with us is because he knows it would be too much. And that's why it's so hard to live one day at a time. Because everything God calls us to do takes hard work. I think of it like the Israelites that were wandering in the wilderness. When they got their manna each morning, they could only take what they needed. And if they took anything extra, it would spoil. And it was a constant reliance to say that I'm going to take what I need for today and I'm going to trust that God is going to provide for tomorrow. And that's the type of reliance that I want to be able to build in my life. All right, friends, we are in the home stretch, the final five. A really freeing truth that I want to share with you that God has given me that has just built up a confidence in my heart, in my ability to go to the Lord with my struggles and share with him what I'm feeling is that God's faithfulness and hope and strength and peace is not dependent on our ability to stay positive. And thank goodness, because I am a glass half empty kind of gal. And to know that God's faithfulness is not dependent on my ability to stay positive is just so freeing. And I hope that truth gives you freedom as well. A hard pill that Jared and I have had to swallow and learn and understanding this year especially is that we don't need more self-care. What we need is true Sabbath rest. You see, God designed us to rest in him. And so often we hear the world telling us that we need all these different things to make us feel better. But what we ultimately need is rest in him. And by resting one day a week, it's choosing to say, all right, I know that I don't have to hustle because the Lord has got my back. And that has just been an amazing truth that Jared and I have been working really hard to put into practice in our lives. And it's changed us for the better. Because not only are we designed for rest and we just get a piece of knowing that we can rest in him, but we're also our best selves when we're well rested. Another piece of advice I want to share with you is that whenever you're struggling and maybe you're pacing and you're super overwhelmed, I want you to know that God's not pacing because he's resting in assurance of victory. And no matter what hardship you're going through, the struggle or the drama that you're facing, I want you to remember that there's no chaos in heaven over it. Let me just say that one more time again. It doesn't matter what hardship you're going through. Whatever struggle or drama you're facing, there's no chaos in heaven over it. Because God has already overcome the world and we can rest in that victory with him. Another thing I want you to know is that God wants our hearts, not check marks. He doesn't want you to just go to church to check off a box. He doesn't want you to spend time with him just to check off another box or progress bar in your power sheets. He wants to spend real 
time with you. And in that, I think sometimes I know I get really caught up in feeling like I need to do all the things. And we always hear people say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength from Philippians 4.13. But nowhere in that passage does it say that you have to do all of the things. So we need to use discernment to know what he's calling us to do. Because our calling is going to look different than somebody else's. But our relationship with him is about us. Just him and you and nobody else. So yes, you can do all things in him. But we need to use discernment to know what things he's called us personally to because he has not called you to do all of the things. I can promise you that. All right, we're in the second to last one, which is just because my body is unstable doesn't mean that I am. The truth is that my body is very unstable. And there are times when I am tempted and do break down and stress over the fact that my strength isn't enough. But the thing is that I'm right to break down about that because the truth is that my strength isn't enough and my body is unstable. The thing though is that the true temptation here isn't solely just a sulk in the instability my body creates, but in allowing myself to believe that I'm in charge and in control of my stability when only God can give us stability. And last but certainly not least, the most important thing that I've learned is that every tiny victory is worth celebrating. You can celebrate even when the victory doesn't look like what you wanted. You can celebrate when you're feeling broken. You can celebrate even when life isn't going the way you planned. Every victory is a victory no matter how big or small, but we have to choose to see that and we have to choose to fight for that. So if there's one thing that I leave you with today, that I have learned is that God is good. And when we use the joy of the Lord as our strength, we're able to celebrate every tiny victory, even the victories that didn't look how we hoped they would. And if there's a couple things from this podcast that you've heard and you want to dig into further, I will link it in the show notes. But this week, a blog post is going to come out where I share a little bit more in depth to each of these areas. But I just want to take a minute to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of this community and for allowing me to be in your life and in your ear. So I just want to say thank you. The past two years of this podcast has held so much good and I do not take it for granted. And I am so grateful for each and every one of you. So thank you for celebrating with me and growing with me and being a part of this community Thank you for the messages that I've received. Thank you for sharing your hearts with me and allowing me to get to know you as you've gotten to know me. And as I'm sure you've noticed, there's been a little bit of a change and we are going to move the podcast to every other week. There will be a new episode that comes out and I just love getting to share life with you and I love celebrating with you. So if we have not had a chance to meet please head on over to my Instagram at official Cassie M. Nolan and come say hi. I would love to get to know you and cheer you on. And I'm just so grateful that you are a part of this community. So thank you for being a part of God's redemption. Thank you for being a part of my story. And I'm going to go enjoy being 25. (laughs) 
and I'll see y'all in a couple weeks. Friends, as our time here comes to an end, I want you to know that the resources don't stop here. At livingthechronicillnesslife.com, you can find blog posts, videos, the Grace and Goals interactive resource library, free downloads, and even these episodes right here to help you continue cultivating an intentional life right where you are, no matter how uncertain the season. Whether you're working to build an intentional life with your daily habits, planting a garden, setting goals, or simply resting well, you can cultivate an intentional life. Head to livingthechronicillnesslife.com to access all of these resources, and I'll see you next week.